Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.19 p.m. on a Sunday night, and I don't know if you can hear it, but behind me, my dog is going crazy. Anybody have a dog that, like, when he lays down, <clears throat> they do that thing where they, like, mash the pillow or whatever to get it perfect? So he's been, he's been going at it for, like, a minute. <laughs> anyway... Uh, excited about this podcast. Today was a really special day at church. We had a bunch of random things kind of happen together that made for a really cool day. Uh, Hannah put on the schedule uh, weeks ago that this was going to be a communion Sunday. And we were talking about the uh, the Valley of the Dry Bones uh, story. And um, her message was really cool. <clears throat> and then that ended up combining with a lot of our band was just randomly unavailable today, so we just did an acoustic set with Peter and Guiana, just two acoustic guitars, stripped everything down a lot. Um, Guiana picked the entire set. Uh, we did a song up front that we tried to do two years ago, but for whatever reason, it, it didn't happen. Um, it's called Psalm 42. It's a it's a favorite song of hers. Um, then we did The Middle by Jimmy World. <laughs> And I just love that we have Psalm 42 right next to Jimmy Eat World in our church service. Um, then we did a Amanda Cook song, Stephanie Gretzinger song, and then we ended with Yellow by Coldplay. And just the elements of the service combined with the message, combined with some stuff that I think everything that everyone was kind of going through, it got super emotional. And it wasn't even during a Jesus song. It was Yellow by Coldplay, which is mind-blowing to me, but that's like exactly the type of church that we were hoping to create at the very beginning was one that like could do songs like that and would consider them just as important as, you know, some of the Jesus-y songs that we do. So anyway, I'm just really proud of everybody for being the church that we all hoped we could be. So thank you so much for being a part of it. I hope that it kind of shines through in this podcast. Um, as far as announcements go, uh, nothing really that I need to tell you because Hannah is going to tell you about an announcement right at the front of the podcast here. We are having a little get together on a Sunday. I will let Hannah tell you about it. Hannah, take it away. The, on the first Sunday of April, 4 to at 9.45. If you're new and you just want to find out about different church, you can come hang out over there. Or if you just like us and you like coffee. But if you want coffee, come a little bit earlier than 945 because Black Crow is delightful but not known for their um, sense of urgency. <laughs> so I'm going to put that. Um, actually, this was James's idea, who was our community minister. And prayers for James. They're not feeling very well this morning. Um, so James will be there and I will be there as long as I can possibly, I mean, I'll be here, so it's right there. I don't know if y'all needed an acoustic set today, but I did, and I didn't even know I did until I was sitting in the back waiting to a lighting cue, and I was like crying for no reason, and I was like, oh no, the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> I don't have time for this, God. <laughs> I'm going to go up on stage and look like I've been crying, which is valid, um, but guess what we're talking about today? The spirit of God. <laughs> So I don't know, maybe God has something to do with this. Um, we're going to read a passage from Ezekiel in the Old Testament. If you grew up in church, this is probably familiar to you. If you did not grow up in church, this is a weird story. Okay? <laughs> so this is what it says. It's Ezekiel 37. 
And it starts, the Lord took hold of me. Me is Ezekiel. Ezekiel is talking. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. The Bible has several, more than several, a plethora of scenes that come out of horror movies. And I just want you to really think about this while I'm reading this, okay? So I spoke this message just as he told me, and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. I don't feel like you're understanding. Can you imagine if you were in a graveyard and it was just bones everywhere, and then they started rattling? Y'all would be like, nope, peace out. (laughs) What? Yes, there's zombies in the Bible. We're getting there, okay? The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones, and their skin formed cover their bodies, but they had no breath in them. Zombies. In the Bible. (laughs) Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood on their feet. A great army. Terrifying. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. And then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Now, how many of you have heard this story before? Okay, cool. If this is your first time, (laughs) well, you know, I'm glad you're hearing it here. (laughs) Okay, so this comes from a book called Ezekiel in the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew Scriptures. And Ezekiel was an Israelite prophet who was alive at the time when the Israelites were exiled in Babylon. So what this means is, The nation of Babylon came into the nation of Israel and like conquered them and burned their capital city down and burned the temple down and took prisoner thousands and thousands and thousands of people and moved them to Babylon. Like literally we're like, you don't live here anymore. So that would be like, I don't know, if we were at war with China and we lost and then they were like, no, you don't get to live in St. Pete anymore. Now you get to live in China. You're welcome. Um, And then you just had to move and live there, and you didn't speak the language, and you don't know anything about the currency, and you, you have no idea what's happening. This is what the children of Israel and Ezekiel are experienced. So before the Babylonians come and take over, Ezekiel gets to prophesy for five straight years about how this is going to happen. As you can imagine, it was not a popular message. He was like, so the end of the world as we know it is coming. And everyone was like, shut up. <laughs> No, it's not. You don't know what you're talking about. Fake news. It's all a lie. And then, unfortunately for everyone, including Ezekiel, it actually happened. And they all got moved 
And Ezekiel and his wife got moved too. Like he didn't even get to escape what happened. He forcibly got moved to Babylon with his family. And there they're living. They don't speak the language. They don't own any land. They're just living in like essentially refugee camps with their people in a hostile land of strangers who want nothing to do with them. And there Ezekiel has another vision. And he sees a valley full of dry bones. Very dry. That's what the NIV says. Not just dry, very dry. <laughs> in case you thought that these bones were wet. <laughs> I don't know. Why do we have very dry? Because there's no hope. Not only, they're not just like someone died and like birds came and ate them. Lovely image. <laughs> They've been there for a long time. They are dead, dead. There is, they're bleached in the sun. They're not even arranged in skeleton form. There's just piles of bones in a valley scattered all around. You could not possibly imagine them being anything but a vision of death. And imagine you're Ezekiel and God's like, hey, let's go on a field trip. And then God takes you to a graveyard. <laughs> and then God's walking you around the graveyard and he's like, oh, son of man, can these bones live again? Ezekiel obviously knew this was a trick question, and Ezekiel had more patience than I would have had, because I would have been like, obviously, no. <laughs> What's wrong with you, God? This is a, why are you asking me this question? Of course they cannot become living people again. That's not how people work. Once people are bones, they're not people. They don't become people. And, but Ezekiel says, well... Oh, sovereign Lord, only you know. It's really easy to skip that. But what would be the point of God showing Ezekiel a vision of death and hopelessness? He's already living it every day. He doesn't need a vision of death and hopelessness. He can literally look at his life and think of all the relatives that he has lost. Think of the house that he no longer lives in. Think of his country, which has been destroyed. Look around him at the refugee camp of Israelites who probably were starving and see death everywhere, and hopelessness. And God's like, here's more. <laughs> so obviously, Ezekiel knows that something else is happening here. He says, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And that's a pretty weighted statement, because Ezekiel isn't just speaking to some rando. He's speaking to the God of Israel, the one who created the world and everything in it. But the God who brought an entire people group to life from a childless couple. The God who freed his ancestors from slavery in Egypt. The God who raised up judges and kings and prophets and continued interacting with and coming near and coming close to these people even when they chose a different path. So he's saying, God, you know. He's reminding himself, like, yes, God has done all these things in the past. But he's also reminding God, like, you know. You better know. You had better remember the promise that you made to us. You had better remember the promise that you made to Abraham. You had better remember the promise that you made to all of my ancestors before me that you would not let this be the end. And God does know. And he tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. Which is another phrase that's easy to like breeze past. Oh, bones, hear the word of the Lord. Um, 
some good stuff, though, because the word of the Lord is what starts the Bible and everything. The word of the Lord, God speaks in Genesis, and life begins. It's the word that sets us in motion. And it, but Ezekiel is the one that the bones hear it through. If that's not a like, real-life example of how God works in our world, we're like, God, do something. And God's like, you do it. We're like, no, thank you. <laughs> that sounds hard. And God's like, I will give you the word of the Lord. You have the power to bring life into your situation. Just open your mouth. And we're like, no, I'm too scared. I don't want to. It sounds hard. And I mean, I can't imagine anything like, okay, what sounds hard in our life? Stuff. Can you imagine speaking to a pile of bones and being like, you should come back to life? <laughs> that is much harder than being like, I should tell someone they look nice today and just put up a positivity in the world. <laughs> and Ezekiel does it. He's like, okay, bones, hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> and the bones start rattling. The bones aren't just like bones, human. No, the bones are like, I don't, I don't, like, I wish if Natalie was here, she has that, like, clacker thing that she sometimes plays during the song service, and I'm like, what, that sound, like, I don't know, the sound that you would get in horror films. They start clattering together, and they arrange themselves into people, and then they're not just like, okay, bones, people, no, then Ezekiel gets to watch muscles grow on top of the bones, and then gets to watch skin grow on top of that. Like slowly, like. Mm. I'm like, this is in the Bible. This is why I said it's a weird story. Like t terrifying zombies. Not just a couple, a whole army, a vast multitude, a whole valley full of undead people. And they're just staring at you, standing there. God speaks to Ezekiel again because they're just, they're, not, they're there, but there's nothing going on. He says, speak to them again. Talk to the breath and it will fill the people. Ezekiel does this and the breath enters the zombie army and they become alive. And the key word in the whole passage is the breath, the wind. It's the same Hebrew word used for the spirit of God which we've talked about before a couple weeks ago, I think. We talked about the name of God, which we can say maybe Yahweh, but like the real pronunciation of that name, a lot of people think is the very sound of like inhalation and exhalation, which means that the first word you speak is God, and the last word you speak is God. And every breath you take the whole time you're alive is speaking the name of God, and God is the breath that animates all life. It's the same breath that was breathed into Adam and Eve when they were created. It's the same breath that enters Lazarus when he's dead. And Jesus is like, you should roll the stone away. And his sister's like, he smells bad. He's dead now. <laughs> and Jesus is like, do it. <laughs> and then Lazarus has the breath enter him and he comes. It's the same breath that enters Jesus three days later after he is murdered. It's the same breath we experience every day, all day long. And then sometimes we experience it even more. Like sometimes I, was, I would say we become aware of it. Like when we participate in things like 
baptism or communion or when we pray for each other or when we're there for each other through difficult things or when we have even just the tiniest little spark of hope in our heart that God can create new life. Because the breath of God can put new life into anything. Even bones that are laying there have been laying there for so long that they are unrecognizable as humans. And I think... Some of us have been wandering around a valley full of dry bones. Maybe we feel like there really isn't any hope. Maybe in general, or maybe just in one specific area. That the bones of your life and your relationships and even like your faith, they're dry. They're very dry. What you used to have with God is not recognizable anymore. It doesn't even look like a human form. It's just a pile of death and deconstruction. And I think maybe we need to make a little space for hope. Make a little space to breathe. Make a little space for the Spirit of God. Because when God, I think God gives us so many opportunities in life where God, we're like, Look at this crap. And God's like, can those bones live? And we're like, nope. God's like, okay. <laughs> and then a day later, a month later, we run into the same thing. And God, we're like, God, look at this crap. And God's like, can those bones live? And we're like, no. <laughs> I told you no. And God's like, okay. <laughs> and then again, and we keep running into the same wall because we refuse to say maybe. 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 We don't need to be sure any more than Ezekiel was sure. I mean, the obvious answer is, can these bones live? No! <laughs> the answer is no. All of life history, of like millennia of world human history up to Ezekiel's life at this point, the answer is no. And he says, maybe. We just have to take that tiny bit of uncertainty back to God and remain open to the possibility that maybe it's a story that's not finished after all. I think that's all that God is asking of us in that question. It's just to hold a little room inside of ourselves for the possibility of an answer other than no. It's not easy to act like there's hope when we don't know that there is. But if there's any chance that breath can be restored, if there's any chance that dry bones can live again, if there's any chance at all that our faith can be salvaged into something, and not just salvaged, but actually reanimated, not just appearing to be human, not just appearing to be alive, but full of life and full of breath, well, shouldn't we try? In fact, isn't there anything, is there anything more meaningful than to try, more life-giving? hope we can hear the voice of God in the story when God says, I will cause breath. I will cause the spirit of life to enter you and you will live. And so today, we're going to do something that I find beautiful and hopeful as a symbol of that. And we're going to take communion. Now, you may know communion with people from all kinds of traditions. So you may know communion as the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or something else. Maybe you used bread and wine. Maybe you used terrible tasting crackers and grape juice. 
<laughs> maybe your tradition never practiced communion at all. Maybe you've been excluded from communion. Maybe you've been told you can't have communion. Maybe you've been communion to death. None of that matters. Communion is simply a practice that reminds us of a couple of important things. It is meant to mirror Jesus and his disciples sharing a meal the night before he was killed. Now, sometimes people are like, communion should be done all the time. We literally do it every Sunday at brunch. That is what communion is. It is sharing a meal with, together with people of faith. But there also is something powerful in a symbol to remember, because Jesus said, I, I don't want you to just do this willy-nilly. Like, who cares if you're eating a stale cracker? No one cares. That does not fulfill me personally. I'm talking as Jesus. It does not make Jesus happy for you to eat a stale cracker and be like, cool. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is to remember. And what are we remembering? We are remembering in communion that once we didn't know how to escape the darkness and hopelessness that was in our souls, but now we are on a path to freedom. We are remembering that once we were alone, but now we have a faith community that is real and alive. And even when we feel overwhelmed or confused or angry or lost, all we have to do is reach out to each other for support. And we get to go together. We remember that all, once upon a time, we only cared about ourselves. But now the love of God has grown in our spirits. And we are full of love and compassion for each other. We remember that once there was a valley full of dry bones. But then they lived again when they heard the word of the Lord spoken from a person of faith. We remember that once the world thought Jesus was gone forever. But the breath of God raised him from the dead and the same breath is available for our tired souls. That's what we remember. And a thousand more things when we take communion. So we're going to take communion. Y'all can come back up here. I'm going to give you some instructions. The band's going to play two more songs. While they are playing, there's a table in the back, and it has, in different church fashion, shot glasses full of grape juice <laughs> because it was either that size or, like, red Solo cups at Publix, okay? So you get more than just a tiny little sip. You get a whole ounce and a half. <laughs> so there's cups of grape juice, and there's bread, also from Publix. <laughs> and while they are playing, I invite you to leave your chair as you are comfortable, and just make your way to the table in the back where we have some bread and juice. Now, this is going to be a little different, because if you've been around for a while, we've done this before, right? You just go get it, and you come back, and you do your thing. If you came with someone, I want you to go with them. I want you to do it together, okay? And I know that may feel weird. I want you to actually give communion to each other. Like hand a cup, hand a piece of bread. Unless you're a complete stranger, then let them pick their own. <laughs> I didn't put any hand sanitizer back there. <laughs> I know this may feel really weird to you if you're from a faith tradition that like, you can only get communion from the priest or the pastor or whoever has been like specifically knighted to give you grape juice. I come from a tradition where, I don't know how to say this, that's not accurate, I don't know. 
In 1 Peter, it says, people of faith are a kingdom of priests. That once you are a person of faith, you can bless. Jesus said, bless as I have blessed you. Speak the word of the Lord as I have spoken the word of the Lord. Go, I have done, you've seen me do these miraculous things. You go and do more. You don't have to have a special title. You don't have to have special knowledge. You don't have to have special books that you've read. You don't have to have special whatever. It doesn't matter. Just go and love on somebody. Go and open your heart just a little bit because that's where meaning is made. And the words are really simple and I don't expect you to remember them, so I'm gonna say them now. Um, but I want you to go together. And if you came by yourself or you just are like, I'm just so uncomfortable with this, I will be in the back. Okay, don't freak out. <laughs> I will give you some communion, it's fine. Um, I also wanna say that if, no pressure, if you don't want to, then don't. No one is judging you. But if you do want to, and for any reason in your faith journey, you have been kept from the table, go. There's no limit to God's love. God is not going anywhere. God's simply asking, can these bones live? And I hope today we can say maybe. So when you drink, the grape juice. Remember what God has done in your life and the parts of your life that were once stale and old and that are now have life in them. This is the blood shed for you. And when you eat a piece of bread, remember that once you were hungry for connection and meaning and rest and hope, and God has filled those spaces in your heart and will continue to fill them until the day you take your last breath, and this is God's body broken for you. That's what it means. Beloved God, you multiply what we bring with love. For those who are struggling with lack today, lack of connection, lack of rest, lack of resources, lack of hope, we remember that you can turn even the smallest spark into an abundance of life. Make us generous as we seek to feel the needs of our friends. And as we depart from this presence together, we do so in the knowledge that love eternal holds us together. Until we come together again, may we all find the courage to keep going. And may the peace of the Holy Spirit move through our every breath. And may we answer when God asks, can these bones live? Maybe. Amen.